the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And it is time to catch up. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving weekend. And uh, please visit ProAmericaReport.com. ProAmericaReport.com. You can catch up on all of the uh, different segments of this program. You can listen to the whole show as a podcast. And you can also sign up for the daily email, uh, which we send out at 8 a.m. East Coast, 5 uh, a.m. Pacific time. Goes out into, goes into your inbox. Just put your email address in. We don't sell your email address, trade it or anything else. All we do is Monday through Friday deliver an email that tells you some key articles, some key thoughts, and what you need to know. That's the wink, the Daily Wink. And that's how we start our program today. And let me tell you, the Daily Wink today, it's, I, I want you to follow this carefully. Uh, I hope I can be clear enough. You know, when, when in anything, anything like uh, sports or, I don't know, uh, uh, public speaking, certainly radio, when you take five or six or seven days off, it feels like it's been a month, you get out of shape. And so let me hopefully give you this um, message, what you need to know today, and hopefully make it clear enough. And it is this, there is a story out quietly today, barely covered in the media, about the Fairfax County School District. This is where I live, actually, in Northern Virginia. And the Fairfax County School District was confronted uh, a month, two months ago, three months ago, by a parent who said, why are my kids reading these two books? And the parent, the mom, started to read the books, and she was shouted down by the school board, who said, you cannot read that book there's children present. This was a book that was in the public, excuse me, in the school's library. So there's kids in the school's library, I think. But anyway, you get the point. And, and at the time, then, the board, in what can only be described as a, uh, you know, cover your tail decision, said, we're going to review it. And they pulled the books. So if you're not paying attention and not understanding the, the way these things work, you think, wow, the parents won. That mom won. The books were pulled. They're reviewing it. They'll never let them back. Well, the story that's out in the last couple days, those books are back. They're on the shelves in Fairfax County. I mean, I wouldn't even bother telling you how horrendous they are, what they're about. It's crazy about abuse, about sex or sexuality, terrible. But my point here is what they count on, our opposition, the opposition to America, the opposition to our values, what they count on is that we don't understand how they're going to play the game. And we move on with our lives, our families, our Thanksgiving, everything else, and they come right back in. Now, here's another example. Up in Wisconsin, that murder of six people so far by the, the Black Lives Matter supporting uh, SUV driving lunatic, it's, they're trying not to cover it, right? They're trying not to cover it. Do you know there's people that were hurt in that uh, attack that are still in intensive care. 
and the coverage is no coverage. They've moved on. In fact, it's been comical, of course. It's, it would be funny if it weren't so deadly. It would be funny if it weren't so scary. It would be funny if it weren't so terrible. When I tell you that the headlines on CNN and other places are that the car slammed into the people at the Christmas parade. Well, the car didn't slam into anything. Just like a gun didn't shoot anybody. A person shoots somebody. A person drives an SUV. And the person that did this was a militant. And maybe he was crazy. I'm open to the possibility that he's actually crazy. I think that seems likely. But that hasn't been put in evidence yet. So until you do, what you can say is horrendously racist man, African-American, but saying racist things about white people and others, and a supporter of the racist organization Black Lives Matter, they make no qualms about that. He drove his car at high speed. He drove his car. He attacked people at a high speed. Killed people. And the media coverage is just fading, moving on. You see what they're doing? When the facts are not in their favor, they bury them. And as I've told you and I've taught you, the narrative machine is really good at this. And so in Northern Virginia, even with Glenn Youngkin winning for governor over McAuliffe, in large part based on the issues of parents and others being concerned, a lot of Northern Virginia voted against McAuliffe because they were sick of what the left was doing and the Democrats were doing. And they just recognized, well, there's a fresh face. Youngkin seems like a nice guy. He seems like a businessman. But they were mad about that. Parents were mad about it. And what do they do? They don't learn a lesson They don't learn a lesson from Youngkin's win and McAuliffe's loss. Their lesson is wait a little while and go right back. Put the books back on the bookshelf. That's that's the lesson we should learn from the left. And when you say the narrative machine, you say, oh, the narrative machine, big tech, big media, and big government. They're they're over there in Wisconsin, and they're taking Rittenhouse to pieces. Rittenhouse is is absolutely being destroyed for about a year. Big tech and big media allowing people to call him a white supremacist, allowing people to tweet and cover it as if he is someone who is, uh, is, um, uh, has any indication of that. And finally, when he's acquitted, they fade away and go away. And, and when there's a, a black racist or Black Lives Matter supporting person who seems like a racist, again, I don't know him. I only know what he's written and talked about, what's been reported. Then it fades away. The power of the narrative machine and what it's doing to our nation it's extraordinary. And it's, you know, the good news is there are more and more people who are saying out loud what initially seemed like uh, a crazy thing happening. What do I mean? Like Glenn Greenwald, Matt Taibbi, both those guys are far left dudes. They're very left wing. And they have been saying and writing and talking about how on the Russia hoax, on the, on the, uh, on the intrusion of government, the FISA grants listening into our lives, they have been saying as left-wingers, what's happening here? And they have been attacked mercilessly by the left. But slowly but surely, you're seeing a fever kind of break. You're seeing the fever break. Now, it's not breaking through on CNN and MSNBC. It's not breaking through on uh, big tech. Not at all. In fact, in some ways, it would be false hope to say it's breaking through. But you are seeing people who understand it better than they did before. People who are seeing what's happening for what is seeing what's seeing what's occurring and understanding what's really happening, understanding how we're being lied to. And it makes a difference. Now, the fallback, the problem is what are you going to do? Right. How do you um, 
tell your friends and neighbors and others who say, hey, um, it looks like these guys were lying about Rittenhouse. Or at least maybe they don't go that far. Maybe they say, that Rittenhouse coverage didn't seem fair. And what do you do? Where do you send them, right? You can't send them to Fox News right now. It gets people to in their corners. You have to try to send them to thinkers, writers like Greenwald and like Taibbi and others. And actually one of the places is Substack where they're writing and then Rumble and Locals where they're doing more and more videos. So we'll, we'll work on that a little bit more over the coming uh, days and weeks on places you can go, voices you can listen to to understand what's happening. But we've got to take a break right now. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. After that uh, wink, what I just opened with, I needed to get to Ted Malik, our friend. A couple of his recent pieces uh, hit right on that. Ted, I was speaking in the earlier segment about how the communist regime in China does not know what to do about the allegations made by their tennis star uh, that there was a rape by one of the communist officials. And so they actually, I don't know if you saw this, Ted, but they shut off CNN. They shut shut down CNN, which, as I said, I opened it by saying the government is censoring CNN as if we could wish that it was happening in America. But in uh, in and so the Chinese regime is at least worried and they've got the Olympics coming. Right. I mean, this is your piece from a couple of days ago. The uh, the yep. I guess from uh, three days ago, boycotting the genocide Olympics. Um can we really send anybody to the, to the Olympics? Well, first of all, I don't want to shut CNN down, so let me make that clear. They're going out of business on their own. Uh, <laughs> their, viewers, okay. their viewership is 600,000 people now, so it's insignificant. But, um, yeah, you could have different responses to the what I call the genocide games that are taking place, the Winter Olympics, 24th Winter Olympics, great thing. Uh, in February 4th through the 20th, I believe. Uh, yeah, so I'm arguing for a full, all-out boycott of the Olympics by any country that is against genocide. Um, obviously, that's not, not Joe Biden and his son, but, uh, you know, there are people in the United States who have that sentiment, and I hope a lot of them are conservatives or people of religious persuasion, because they're actually killing uh, their Muslim population in the western provinces of, of China. I mean, you could have a diplomatic boycott, which is what some liberal Democrats want. You know, you don't send an official delegation. We don't send Kamala over there to cackle with her gold prize-winning cackle. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the, the games are not going to be moved. The International Olympic Committee said no. You know, they paid for them. And the uh, sponsors, you know, Airbnb, Coca-Cola, a bunch of others, they, they, uh, they're in, they're all in. Comcast paid $7.3 billion to broadcast the Olympics through, I think, 2035. They're all paid up. They're not going to cancel. So as so, so far as I can see, we're going to have a genocide game. This is uh, 1936 and Berlin all over again. Uh, we're talking with Ted Malik, and again, his piece is over at American Greatness, boycotting the genocide games. Um, I, I, let me, let me. I want to be a little more specific because I've watched even conservatives. I think Tom Cotton or Ted Cruz saying, "Oh, we should uh, have a diplomatic boycott." That's what Joe Biden said. That just means they don't send Jill Biden over on Air Force Two and a Half or whatever to to cut the ribbon. A, a, a diplomatic. That just means we won't send an entourage of two hundred people who can uh, be feted over there on a on the American. 
American taxpayer and uh, the communist regime's money, but they would still send the, to the games. I my point is with mine. Mine is with my argument is with yours is along the line of yours. We boycotted. Did we boycott the games in 1980? No, we boycotted them in 84. When yes, did we boycott we did. them? Or no, did we, 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 in 1980 after the Soviet Union invaded Afghanistan, we boycotted the games. We did attend, although there was a lot of outcry when the Chinese had the Summer Olympics, you know, you know, back 20 years ago, whatever it was, and they gained enormous publicity. It is that. China has used these kinds of uh, international uh, things for status building, and they will use this. Yeah, and, and to ask the, the uh, athletes themselves to boycott the games or to protest the games, I mean, that, that, first of all, it was a limited response, but it penalizes the athletes. And any protest right. will be quashed by Beijing. They're not going to let a protest happen in Beijing. So, I mean, um, I think it's time that we just say no, no thanks. Now, that's not going to happen because Circleback, as uh, when confronted in the White House, and this was last week admitted, and I quote her, the U.S. is not discussing a potential boycott of the 22 Winter Olympics in China. And she would know because she talks to Biden both before and after his naps. Right. Uh, uh, but but well, wait. So but uh, but Ted, are you saying you, you're calling for a full boycott? Don't go at all. Right. That's what I'm saying. I, I mean, yeah. Nancy Pelosi says, well, you know, we should just step back and send, uh, you know, just, uh, uh, you know, uh, right. you know, a few athletes or whatever. Yeah. No, that's, you know, if these people are committing genocide on the scale we're talking about, slave labor. Why do you keep congratulating them? Why do you give them everything? They rule us. This, this is the argument right. of mine at the end. We don't just turn a blind eye on these atrocities in China. These are crimes against humanity. We look the other way. I, I say it was intentionally released. I, mean, I don't know. could be unintentional with COVID-19 virus that resulted in 5 million people dead worldwide. We did nothing. They rule us. Game is over. Yeah. And now Xi Jinping well, and, and, has been reappointed to his third term, making him the new Mao Zedong. Well, and again, we're talking with Ted Malik, his piece is over at American Greatness. Um, and, and let me review. Uh, it was the 1980 Summer Olympics that were to be in Moscow. And uh, and once the, the Soviet Union invaded Afghanistan, the Americans led a boycott. We did not send any athletes to the 1980 games, uh, the summer games. The winter games had already happened. And, uh, and remember... It was a ma- as you point out, it's a massive it's the if we go, China uses it as an opportunity to control everything and make it look like a great thing. They will have only the images they want. They'll control all of it. If we don't go, it will drive home dramatically what they're doing. And if we said we're not going because of one, two, three, it would have the effect of shining the largest spotlight on on China, the communist regime, probably in the last 25 years. Right. I think it would be that big a deal. Now, make no mistake, the Chinese-run uh, outlet Global Times has warned, and, and their um, foreign minister has warned, that China would seriously sanction any country that follows the boycott. So um, uh, they're, they're not going to take this laying down. Uh, they're they're going to play hard ball. But we're not playing ball at all. I mean, we do not have a president. I mean, we, we, we don't have anyone in charge. Or over and above that, and I think the news media, and I mean even the mainstream media is now catching on, that Biden and his son are in the throes. They are being paid by the Communist Party of China. 
Well, I, and I think, uh, I mean, again, I think if, it, it, I feel bad for the couple hundred um, uh, athletes, right, that have spent their time uh, and, and their energy. But on the other hand, we're, we're at such a point. All right, let me slide over to another piece you wrote that just came out, uh, I think, on late on Sunday this past week, a few days ago. Um, and you're talking about uh, the nominee, one of the Biden nominees. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go ahead. Tell, walk us through this. This is incredible. Well, I mean, your your listeners might not know. It's a little bit obscure, but uh, uh, President Biden and Janet Yellen, for that matter, have nominated a former Soviet woman who's now a law professor at Cornell. How ironic! Uh, where the faculty, I'm sure, adores her regulatory positions to be the comptroller of the currency, which is a very powerful, very important position in banking in the U.S. The most important regulatory position, I would argue. And she has a higher degree from Moscow State University. And um, she did her Ph.D. thesis, which is now lost and destroyed. It can't be found, even though the senators have asked for copies on Marx, Karl Marx's theory uh, of revolution in capital. And we're going to put her in charge of all of our banks. Can you believe this? If I woke up and had a bad nightmare and this had happened, I would be like stopping myself and saying, what? This has actually happened. Is it is it is it is, it, is she going to pass? I mean, are we going to is she going to be able to be stopped or what, well, what's what's happening? People like me and uh, uh, hopefully a bunch of senators and people that are rattling the cage right now are making it more and more difficult by the day. So I'll predict that probably just after Thanksgiving or on a Friday when nobody's watching the Biden administration will remove her nomination because she doesn't have the votes. She doesn't have the votes Mm. to get through a 50-50 Senate, but now even a couple of Democrats, wiser, sensible, capitalist Democrats are saying, geez, we can't put this one in there. Wow. Wow. Well, again, I'll put it up on social media. It's uh, it is. I, I had seen a reference to it in the mainstream media, but I had not seen any of the uh, specifics. A nominee uh, for uh, the uh, uh, the controller of the currency and uh, and uh, the uh, qualifications, as you point out, her name is Saule Omarova. Uh, quite an extraordinary thing. All right, Ted, I got to run, unfortunately. Happy Thanksgiving, Ted Malik. Thank you for being on so often and everything you do. We appreciate you. Happy Thanksgiving to all you, all of your listeners. Thanks. All right, Ted. We'll talk again soon. Ted Malik, everybody. I'll put both those pieces up on uh, social media. Uh, great writer and a great guy. I, I'm very grateful these last couple of years we have struck up a uh, friendship, and he's a super wonderful guy. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. I, you heard me talk about this a few days ago. I think late last week. I saw on Forbes.com my old friend Adam Anjewski, who is a senior contributor there. He wrote a column, uh, FBI and other agencies paid informants $548 million in recent years with many committing authorized crimes. It ran in Forbes. It's gotten some attention. And I, I emailed, I texted Adam, I think, and said, hey, can you jump on and talk about this? Because this is, uh, you know, um, along, with, along the lines of learning that, um, you know, the FISA applications were fraudulent and all, it, it, getting some transparency on what exactly the FBI does seems pretty important. So, Adam, welcome back. Of course, Adam Anjewski is the founder and president of OpenTheBooks.com. 
tons of stuff there, and that's where this report is. So, Adam, tell us what does this mean? What do you? What, I know you don't. You, your thing is to get transparency, but you have a sense of what you're seeing. So, tell us what this is. Well, we were surprised about the scope, just the sheer amount of taxpayer money, hundreds of millions of dollars that goes into the federal law enforcement complex and results in the payment to informants. These are confidential human sources. And so I think just the, uh, the, the scope of just how much money and how many informants they are, and then what a powerful law, and tool, uh, law enforcement tool that informants uh, can be when they're, when they're authorized to commit tens of thousands of crimes, uh, this is something that needed transparency. So Adam, we're talking about Adam Anjewski, OpenTheBooks.com. When you requested this information, um, how come it doesn't come out? How come they don't respond and say, I'm not telling you based on uh, national security or, or something like that? Isn't there some exception to uh, your, uh, you know, again, OpenTheBooks.com has gotten really good at understanding uh, for those of you that haven't been to their website, how, how to get transparency. Sometimes at the state level, it's uh, one way. Sometimes at the federal level, it's another. But why didn't, in the law enforcement context, I thought they used a pretty good excuse. We don't have to tell you because of security. Well, and they probably would have if we'd have filed a FOIA request, a Federal Freedom of Information Act request for this information. Um, so what we did is we, we just used public information within government audit reports. So we located government oh. audit reports whether it's the Congressional Research Service, whether it's the Inspector General at the Department uh-huh. of Justice or at the individual agencies like the FBI, the DEA or the or the ATF. And we put our report together from there. So we used we just used public documents and all these documents and all this reporting. We just pulled together into one piece. And it's one reason why some of the years, although we believe it's the latest years available, some of the some of the information is starting to get a little older because there isn't sunshine on uh, this this area of federal law enforcement. It is a black box. I see. I see. Uh, we're talking Adam Anjewski, OpenTheBooks.com, uh, and this piece that he ran that he wrote over at Forbes, where he's a, a senior contributor uh, about the FBI. So, how do you know they were doing crimes? When you look at again in those reports you're looking at, can you piece together? Okay, so and so. Uh, got, uh, you know, uh, a half a million dollars to be a driver to accomplish whatever. And what kind of crimes can you see? So uh, we don't we don't know the individual crimes, but we do know from the Daily Dot, they did a Federal Freedom of Information Act request. And from 2011 through 2014, and that's the latest years available, uh, there was roughly 23,000 times federal informants were authorized by their handlers to commit a crime, which is an unlawful activity, um, but that's authorized underneath a 1980 change in the statute that authorized federal informants, when when authorized, they could commit a federal crime. Now, Ed, um, certain crimes are always off limits, like violence. You can't kill somebody. You can't shoot somebody. That's never authorized. Uh, right. You can't do obstruction of justice, for instance. And there's there's many other uh, delineated, specific, unlawful actions that are never legal for an informant. So if you if you ask the FBI, and could you ask the FBI, do they just say no comment, um, or or will they? Is there any response, or can you get any response even from the inspector generals or anybody, or no? Well, uh, so in twenty in twenty nineteen, uh, the inspector 
general over at justice did an oversight report and and within that audit recommended 19 separate um, updates to FBI policy. And none of them, none of them came to fruition. So look, we need, we need some type of transparency component to this. We've got, we, you know, our auditors through these audit reports identified $550 million spent on federal informants. It's a tremendous amount of money. You know, the, uh, the DEA alone in a given year has up to 18,000 informants. You know, they paid 9,000 of those informants nearly $250 million over a five-year period. So a tremendous amount of money is flowing. We don't know a lot about it. We just know some high-level stats that we pulled together for this pretty stunning uh, Forbes column. And we need a regular system of, a, of accounting for this money done on an after-action basis. Okay, you can close the books. But don't let seven years or eight years go past or five years go past. Let's let's kind of see it on a rolling two-year basis. Uh, Adam Anjevsky, we're talking to OpenTheBooks.com. He's the founder and president and also is a contributor over at Forbes. We're talking about this, uh, his report about almost $600 million uh, paid out by the FBI to informants. Uh, in what period was it, by the way? You just made me think about it. Is this, can you tell, this was paid out in the period between what year and what year? Right. So the FBI, it's different years in the report. Um, so for the okay. FBI, it's an average of $42 million paid out between each, you know, each of the seven years on average between the year 2012 and 2018. So that's the latest okay, data it. available. And then over, for instance, at the DEA, you know, we looked at, we looked at a five-year period. Um, I don't have the, the years. Um, I think it's 2010. I think it was a six-year period, 2010 through 2015. Uh, was over at the okay. DEA. Uh, the ATF was, was a four-year period. Um, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, informants during that four-year period, on average, over that period, made ten grand. The DEA, during that period, their informants made $26,000, uh, for example. Um, there were informants, federal informants, that were minted as millionaires. I mean, regular rank-and-file informants, like people working for a packaging company, like like UPS or... FedEx made over a million dollars over a five-year period. You know, an Amtrak employee in a six-year period made $962,000. You know, the, the inspector did, a, you know, did an audit of those payments and said no substantial information came out of that relationship after nearly a million dollars. They said we could have gotten everything at virtually no cost by partnering with the Amtrak police instead. Hmm. Uh, we're talking with uh, Adam Anjevsky. OpenTheBooks.com is the website and the report. Um, is there any way to compare this to other eras? In other words, do you have a sense? I don't think your I don't think your report, as I read it, and I was reading your column in Forbes, uh, alluded to it. But you know, under J. Edgar Hoover, they had informants. Were they spending less? Uh, you know, under the in the communist era, were they spending less? Is there anybody who's compiled that information, or can we not really know? We're not aware of that on a on an era by era basis, but here's some interesting comparisons uh, up against some of the biggest news stories currently. So, right. confidential human sources deployed by the FBI. The New York Times, of all people, dropped the bombshell that at least two of them informants were embedded into the January sixth crowd. Julie Kelly at American Greatness has done 
great deep dive reporting, and she says at least one of the informants was contracted by the FBI as of July of 2020, before, mm-hmm. during, and after January 6th, was in contact with their FBI handler. So, you know, the, the, the plot to kidnap the Michigan governor. So you've got right. six people that were arrested for alleged conspiracy on that plot. You've got eight people that supposedly gave the six people material support. You've got 12 right. now admitted FBI informants that you have a chicken and the egg problem. A federal judge is trying to sort out if we even had a conspiracy, if we didn't have the FBI informants. That's what's at stake legally right now. So, so it's, you know, these, the federal informant complex is not without controversy. Yeah, uh, and that, let me finish with this question, I, and I will be uh, leading the witness, or, and I know that, but we're talking to Adam Anjewski, OpenTheBooks.com uh, is his website, his organization. He's the founder and president. His piece over at Forbes.com covered this. Uh, so I'm leading you, I know, but once you put half a billion dollars in play, you're going to get action, right? I mean, this, if there's anything that your work has taught, whether you're looking at the endowments of universities or you're looking at uh, payments to uh, government employees, the more money, you know, if your filter is look at the money, once you get a lot of money flowing, there's a lot of stuff happening. And, you know, inevitably, humans being humans, some of it is going to be questionable. That's right. Well, I think you nailed it. And, you know, there's Crime in the system, there's also corruption. When you have a black box, you're going to get corruption, especially with a half billion dollars sloshing around. So one of the examples that we have in the piece at Forbes is something that Jason Chaffetz, when he was head of U.S. House Oversight and Government Reform in Congress, he identified, and that is in a court case, there was about a quarter million dollars paid out to a female informant. And she admits in court she doesn't know why she's getting paid. And then it also comes out in court that she is, you know, has a sexual relationship with her DEA supervisor. And so you do get corruption when you have so much, so much money in the system. So what we're calling yeah. for at OpenTheBooks.com is reform and timely reporting, whatever that is, that doesn't get in the way of proper law enforcement, doesn't right. compromise enforcement, uh, informants, but provides right. reports <clears throat> you know, detailed reports to the American people because we're funding this complex. Right, right. Makes good sense. Well, as always, Adam, thank you for your time. Uh, We appreciate you. We give great thanks for your organization's work. Wish you a happy Thanksgiving, and uh, uh, we will catch up again soon. Happy Thanksgiving, Ed. All right, Adam Anjewski, everybody. We will, uh, I'll put it all up on social media. The, the Forbes article sends you in the direction uh, that Adam Anjewski wrote at Forbes. He's a contributor there. And then over at Open the Books, there's more to see. So uh, we will look at all that and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative pro family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, from the Phyllis Schlafly Center Studios, Ed Martin. President Joe Biden issued a strong statement about the swarm of illegal immigrants crossing our southern border when he said, I promise you, those people will pay. Sadly, Biden was not talking about the human traffickers who leave babies to die in the desert. Instead, he was vowing to go after the federal agents who protect our border near Del Rio, Texas. Of these brave men and women, Biden said, There's an investigation underway right now, and there will be consequences. Of course, 
You may be wondering what possible crimes these agents could have committed to draw the attention of the president of the United States, who has otherwise been completely oblivious to the crisis on the border. As Biden indignantly put it, he was concerned that the illegals had horses running them over, people being strapped. Biden continued that it sends the wrong message around the world. It's simply not who we are. Not to be outdone, Vice President Kamala Harris declared that the images evoked some of the worst moments of our history where that kind of behavior has been used against the indigenous people of our country has been used against African-Americans during times of slavery. Harris warned sternly there need to be consequences. What were these images that roused the president to a fury, outraged the vice president and horrified the secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas? Merely photos of U.S. border agents mounted on horseback using reins to control their animals in the hilly terrain where over 20,000 migrants had just crossed the Rio Grande. Even liberal CNN wondered how the agents could be treated fairly by an investigation to be conducted at the highest levels after the president has already condemned them. Biden should be cracking down on the illegal aliens crossing the border, not the good agents trying to stem the tide of lawlessness. Yet Biden vowed to punish agents on horseback for using reins to control the government's own horses amid a chaotic flow of illegal aliens. Sound policy isn't based on out-of-context soundbites, and it certainly isn't based on out-of-context photos either. President Biden needs to address the real problem on the border, not the fake one. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. What's the latest on building the wall to protect our southern border? To the liberal media, it's a joke. But the crisis of illegal aliens is no laughing matter. At phyllisschlafly.com, we're asking serious questions regarding what to build, who's paying for it, and how best to deploy our military. Go to phyllisschlafly.com and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Well, if you're like my kids, you don't want to hear any talk of uh, Christmas this early. My kids have a, 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 an, an informal rule that they don't want to hear Christmas music until after Thanksgiving, but they don't even want to talk about Christmas stuff like shopping and all until December turns, no matter what. So this is their rule. I don't know why my kids decide to have this rule, but that's uh, where they are. So, but I'm breaking that rule. I'm breaking that rule right now because I want to tell you about a very cool opportunity. If you go to uh, phyllisschlafly.com, I'll put it up on social media. There's a link there and there we have a Christmas sale going on. Now, What's very cool about Phyllis Schlafly, the late Phyllis Schlafly, I mean, not just very cool about her. She was an amazing lady. But what is amazing, one of the amazing things about her is she was an incredible writer. And so we have already published volume after volume of her books. We call them Phyllis Schlafly Speaks. And you got on, on patents, on pro-life, on Donald Trump. Uh, all there. And again, you go to this website, you can follow this. Also, there's um, the first reader, very popular. Phyllis Schlafly wrote a reading manual for children to read back in the day. I don't know, about 15, 20 years ago. It's very popular these days. It's called the first reader. And there's a first reader workbook. Uh, you can find that there. You can also, there's tote bags, Phyllis uh, Schlafly tote bags, leather uh, pad, pad folio. We actually have a copy. Uh, the other day, you may remember, I appeared on Larry Elder. Um, 
uh, radio show. And in the midst of all the different kind of appearances I made, I have acquired over the years some of the key books of folks uh, like Larry Elder. His book is a lot like me at tw- uh, out in 2018 in paperback about his relationship with his father. Phenomenal book. You buy that there. We've got some uh, uh, David Horowitz books, autographed uh, books that are around. We also have uh, Brian Kilmeade, uh, his book, uh, Thomas Jefferson and the Tripoli Pilots. Pilots. Pirates. If you uh, are upset they took down Thomas Jefferson's uh, uh, statue up in New York City, here's a chance. This is a great history. Anyway, all of this is at this website. You can go there and check it out. Lots of books, including my uh, my uh, comic, excuse me, coloring books, Can't Trump This Covfefe. There's a Christmas version. Uh, the most, the, the best book I can recommend, really important for you to read, is Phyllis Schlafly's book, A Choice, Not an Echo, which she updated in 2014. It was a, a runaway uh, multi, sold I think almost 2.5 million copies in 1964. Well, all those years later, uh, um, 50 years later, she published an updated version and it gives you the best description of what's going on behind the scenes in the Republican Party and why it's so important to do that. So check it out. If you go, there's lots of gifts. About, oh, I want to mention there's also called the Turbo Reader. Phyllis, when she did the uh, first reader, she then did a, a Turbo Reader, which allowed people to uh, uh, a different level of reading you can get there. So another favorite of mine is Who Killed the American Family? Uh, extraordinary book written in 2014. You should get that. And then one last one I'll finish on. It's called The Supremacist. And it's uh, Phyllis writing about the importance, the tyranny of judges and how to stop it, the importance of the fight over judges. So a lot there. If you go again for Christmas, all these books, there's no supply chain problems. <laughs> there's no issues. You can sign uh, buy these books now. We'll get them to you. In just a few days, you'll get them for Christmas, and there really is something for everybody. If you have somebody that loves the pro-life movement, there's really nothing like uh, Volume 3 of Phyllis Schlafly Speaks. It's called, its subtitle is How the Republican Party Became Pro-Life, and it marches through how Phyllis Schlafly was able uh, to um, shape the platform of the Republican Party. It's an extraordinary history. It's got a description of, uh, of, of tactics to get it done. It's got description of the people that were against it. It's really great. Um, another book, by the way, that I recommend uh, to you is uh, if you have somebody who is a young person who's interested in being a speaker uh, and uh, speaking professionally, we put together, in fact, Phyllis picked this out before she died. The very first volume of her uh, writings is called Phyllis Shafley Speaks, Volume 1, Her Favorite Speeches. She pulled out a set of her favorite speeches, and we published them. And they're on every subject. They're on uh, military. They're on life issues. They're on patents. They're on the uh, the um, economy, uh, education. Uh, one of her favorite topics, of course, the Constitution. She writes on that uh, in there. So that's a great one. And I, I've actually given that book uh, quite a few times to young people, our collegians, uh, or someone that I know that just is interested in politics and policy, uh, to show um, she, Phyllis Schlafly, was a writer her whole life, and she attributed the fact that she could write, uh, that she wrote well and worked hard at it, to helping her think clearly. You you cannot be a loose thinker if you're writing all the time. You cannot. You just can't do it. 
And so she attributed that. And she wrote an extraordinary amount uh, in her long life. In fact, if you go to phyllisschlafly.com, you can see the button for the, uh, for the sale. But also, I'd recommend that you go there and you can look at her Phyllis Schlafly reports. Uh, she wrote so many um, essays, so many columns, and so many uh, reports. They called her PS reports. It was a monthly report. I- I- incredible uh, discipline, incredible cl- uh, clarity. And as I often tell people, I can go back and look over the 50-year period where she was writing so frequently. I can go back and look, and I can track down almost any topic, uh, anything that was you know in the news she had written about uh, in some way. And her take is almost always... Uh, not just, it's not that it's unique. She didn't do things just to make it different, but it was, um, she had a way of seeing things, uh, that was different than most people. And so you could go and figure that out. So phyllisschlafly.com to find out more. And, uh, you want to sign on and you want to uh, pick up some gifts. And by the way, the proceeds go, of course, to our work, uh, the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. So it supports us there. All right. So there's some Christmas gifts. If you need a gift to thank uh, Noah Dingley, our great producer, you can go there or Joanna Spilger, our great, uh, assistant producer who helps book these guests go there and get them a gift you can do it there so uh, more of that on social media thank you for listening we will be back uh, tomorrow it's Ed Martin here on a Pro America Report talk to you then this is the Pro America Report on The Answer San Diego three star general Michael J. Flynn head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary Flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost and covers the facts behind this scandal Flynn told the truth he was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.